3: Before we get started, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED ON, the name of this network, LOCKED ON, and you can get $10 off your first order. Well, we did the most underrated players in NBA history. Last week. Now the flip side, the most overrated players in NBA history. Join my partner here, John Hollinger in just a moment. I want to remind you guys, please uh subscribe to this. If you haven't done that already, we always appreciate a rating or telling your friends about it, a share uh, on social media as well. But let's get started here. John, we talked a lot about some of the common themes that you'll see for players being underrated. What are some of the things that make you believe a player might be overrated?
4: Uh so I'd say two big things stick out historically. One, did the did the guy play for the Lakers, Knicks or Celtics?
3: <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. Uh
4: number two, points per game, you know, if the best thing in a guy's stat line was points per game, he probably was overrated.
3: Yeah, especially going back a little bit when that's kind of all all that we had. Um what else?
4: Some of, so much of it depends on the vagaries of public perception. I do think guards though tend to get more of a pass from people. I mean, guards are exciting, you know, so people get, people get amped up about guards, even if maybe they, uh, aren't sound or that good or have some holes in their game, but. Still can kind of, you know, they'll, they'll have fans. Whereas Biggs, you know, it's, it's harder. Like who, who is like a huge like Tim Duncan fan that you knew, you know, when you were growing up?
3: Yeah. Yeah. As far as just like, Oh, I I just love watching this guy. Like I really, you know, I I watch every game that Tim Duncan plays. Yeah.
4: So big, we just don't gravitate to bigs the same way. And we don't gravitate to, for the most part, to amazing defensive players the same way. There are exceptions. I mean, obviously in Memphis, our crowd love Tony Allen, uh, but generally, generally true.
3: Yeah, I think that's a a good one. Um yeah, players who just play an aesthetically pleasing game. Yeah, you know, who just uh, and yeah. yeah, I think I think that does skew more towards the uh, guards as you said.
4: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, we we haven't brought this up yet, but I'm ju- I'm just so excited to be a total dick for the next hour.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's uh tough times here you know everyone everyone has to be pulling together and sacrifice and you know it it just builds up having to be so nice all the time doesn't
4: it i just need a good punching bag for the next hour
3: (laughs) um i've i've got a few more things um i would actually say that players who are on teams that just weren't really that good offensively and defensively and put up like big stats you know i mean i think that's something that you really have to look at very closely Mm -hmm. um scores who don't really create for their teammates that much don't really drive efficient offense that much themselves you know, Yeah, that's another one um i think that this is one too that i would look at uh especially in some earlier eras being
2: white probably <laughs> meant
3: that you were like overrated a little bit historically uh in like the 70s and 80s in particular now i mean there's definitely alex like caruso awesome.
4: takes offense to your comment <laughs>
3: um but obviously, I mean, they're, they're like great white players, but there definitely was, uh, yeah. What I'm guessing that at a time when people were complaining that the league was too black, there might also have been a little bit of overrating of white players at, at that time. Just, just a guess. Um, uh,
4: I, I would say that's accurate. Yes.
3: Yeah. So, and, and I mean, I guess it's always hard to because how someone is rated historically. I mean, I, I'm trying to focus more on okay, this guy was getting MVPs. He was. getting getting all-star nods he was uh and and maybe didn't deserve them you know just uh, trying to look more at like what people felt at the time Uh, you know it's always hard to say like where would most people have this guy ranked historically that's it's kind of difficult but like, like for example when we were talking about like Shaq and Akeem for both like both those guys only won one MVP at the time right so so and and so that's what when people were a few people were like hey those guys weren't underrated I'm like well for those guys to both probably be top 10 players all the time and only win one mvp each same thing with kg mm-hmm. you yeah, know that's uh that's an indication um, yeah. and especially because the mvps kind of cluster together i think with players who've either won it before or you know they're the reason they're winning mvp is because they're on a team that's continuing to win and so they're that's usually they won because they had good players and those good players don't just disappear the next year exactly uh okay you want to kick us off here
4: Wow. All right. I get to lead off. All right. All right. Yeah, you were well,
3: mad that I took one of your players. Last yeah. Game, so all right. I'm giving, I'm well, giving you uh, the first attempt here.
4: All right. I'm going to lead off with a classic. Um, this guy had kind of all the hallmarks of an overrated player. Uh, played for Boston, shot the ball a lot, not very efficiently, played for a prominent college program, uh, big points per game t- guy. Team was, team was good enough to play in playoff games, but wasn't actually really good. Um, so kind of checked all the boxes. Uh, and that is Antoine Walker, uh, who played in three all-star games and was invited to the three point contest. At all-star weekend uh which is my all-time favorite despite shooting 32.5 percent career
3: i think they're worried uh, 32.5 percent for his career. i think they're just worried at that three-point contest that he would just join it and start shooting giving it a shot selection like whether he was invited (laughs) or not so they figured they might as well just invite him and like save everyone the embarrassment of him just like crashing it He just wanted to shoot three-pointers so badly.
4: Now, you could argue he was ahead of his time in some ways as something of a stretch for More of a, a shout-out to my former ESPN colleague, Kevin Arnovitz, a wretch for a guy who shoots threes but doesn't <laughs> necessarily make them. But he did spread the floor in that era more than a lot of other uh, combo forwards did. Uh, so the, the thing that everyone missed was that he couldn't make twos either. He, he was 45% for his career on twos and his like prime years, he was in 42s, uh, 42-5, 7 and made the all-star team both years just because that was when the East was at its absolute pitiful worst. And, uh, the Celtics got to the conference finals one year, uh, with a, probably the worst conference finalist team since the 1980, uh, Kansas City Kings and, uh, you know, and you know he got a he got a lot of quote unquote credit for that and I you know I think when you really go back and size it up you kind of like he wasn't really that good like (laughs) he was you know like he was all right but I mean he was you know he was out of the league by the time he was 32 I mean
3: yeah well and the thing about him is that in college he was actually like a pretty athletic player and he put weight on after about three or four years and really his inside game just kind of weighed and he was he was jacking up a lot of He was like a solid passer you know he had some feel when he wasn't taking bad shots but yeah yeah it was uh th- that was a big I, I, I definitely agree i mean i think there's more of an understanding of where he was at now except for himself i think he had a quote recently that he would would have made 300 million dollars in today's nba which uh may or may not be accurate <laughs> um so yeah th- that's uh that's a good one to start off with I'm going to begin with someone who is a huge scorer. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I think I I can add one more category of of players who might be overrated, too, is bad conference, bad league. And so they just look better by by comparison, like like what you were just talking about with Antoine Walker, where if you just look, oh, man, this guy made seven all-star teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he was also like the 35th best player in the league every year. Mm-hmm. um so we can start here and that's with uh adrian dantley incredible Ooh. score okay he's someone who early on in the analytics era i think players were or or people were saying that he was really under eight because you look oh man this unbelievable efficiency he got to the line all the time like his true shooting was fantastic he's scoring 30 points a a game in the 80s in utah and like he was so efficient uh, like people just didn't really understand the efficiency back then he didn't get enough credit for the, the free throws that he drew but then you go back a little bit further, and this is one where I think actually watching him really helps a lot because mm-hmm. you look at the offenses that he played on, and they're pretty middling. And you think, like, oh man, this guy with this guy, you know, 30 points a game, true shooting, like, you know, I mean, I'm to led the league in scoring
4: twice with true shooting yeah. marks in the 60s. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. And so you think, wow, this guy's a monster, mm-hmm. but the offenses aren't that good. And yeah, I mean, we don't have play by play data to show that, like, oh, maybe when he was on, on the floor, there were better or something but if you actually watch the way that he played he wasn't particularly athletic his game, you know, he wasn't really stretching the floor at all. He had a, a long, slow release. Uh, he, he did have all these tricks where he could get to the foul line, but it was more just straight up ISO and put everyone else on the other side of yeah. the floor. And then he's not blowing by his man to where there's going to be help required. And now he can set up other players. He was not, uh, known for his passing to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, he would just, he had this old man game where he would just kind of face up. He'd hold it. He had like this weird release behind his head where he could kind of get that off but like every time he got the ball he didn't even make his move for like five seconds
4: yeah he was he he was a a one-on-one technician
3: yeah. And that,
4: that type of guy was definitely more prevalent in eighties basketball.
3: Yeah. But what you had was if his attacks didn't work out, then they, he had just wasted all the time on the shot clock and he's throwing a flaming bag to his teammates or he's got to take a bad shot. So yes, when you get it to him, when he actually shoots it, those possessions end up being efficient, but he's not really spacing the floor when he doesn't have the ball. He's not athletic. He's a terrible defender. He, you know, Dantley yeah. was like a six four guy who played like, you know a power forward probably played to would play today other than you know shooting any threes um you know there are a lot of there are a lot of guys like that in the 80s who were threes but they just were basically like power forwards who are shorter like they when they would go to score they'd like post up or they might like shoot mid-range jumpers you know they didn't play they didn't like dribble out on the floor and like face up to the basket and attack and handle the ball the way threes would today or space out to the three-point line they were just they're considered a forward they're just like one forward would be on on one side one forward be on the other yeah. side and like the differentiation between small and power forward hadn't fully developed yet that didn't really happen until the late 80s and so you like you might have one forward who is smaller than another but they kind of played similarly um so yeah that was the big thing with him is that he just he would just hold the ball forever if he didn't score and he had to give it up or he got double teamed. he wasn't a good passer or playmaker and so his teams just didn't score that well
4: yeah yeah i go back and forth on Danley because on the one hand if you win if you win two scoring titles in utah it's like if it's like a tree falling in the forest right did anyone hear it yeah. um but on on the other hand like he like he wasn't a great player like he and i think that was by the time he got to detroit i think that was more clear i know he was on the downside by the time he got there but he couldn't replicate the numbers he did in Utah when he was on a team with other good players that also needed to be involved. And, and I think that's what really showed itself. And, you know, he was he was there for the two years and uh you know, obviously 87 was maybe a little unfortunate because him and Vinny Johnson die for a loose ball in game seven, bonk each other in the head and they're both out for the game and the Celtics win. Um And uh, then 89, the year the Pistons won it, they traded him in, in the middle of the year for Mark Aguire, who was kind of the same player, but maybe not as needy with the ball, yeah. and yeah. and they Aguirre end up winning the think, title.
3: Was, yeah, I think Aguire was, like, a little bit better a shooter than him. And, and he also happened to be friends with Isaiah Thomas.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, everyone thinks that's the real reason it happened, but I do think Aguire because of his shooting and the fact that he didn't hang onto the ball quite as long as dantley did uh made him a little bit better fit
3: yeah and also they just were able to play rodman more too i mean by the 88 finals rodman is actually closing a lot of those games in the 88 finals instead of yeah game. sure sure um okay who is uh let's take a quick break and then we'll get to your uh your next selection here so if you're anything like me i'm kind of starting to pack on a few pounds here due to quarantine eating so I, i'm gonna need to cut back a little bit and one way that i found that works pretty well to do that is is to just eat more protein when you're hungry it just fills you up faster takes longer to digest doesn't have as many calories and built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar but it's low calorie low sugar high protein and high fiber their peanut butter brownie bar 20 grams of protein only 170 calories three grams of sugar three grams of net carbs they've got eight chocolate and nut flavors eight chocolate and nut free flavors Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they don't have that consistency of concrete that they might've had with other protein bars that you might've tried. So give these guys a shot, especially if you're one of these people who just, you try these protein bars and like, oh man, that doesn't taste good at all. Built Bar is the antidote to that. The way to get started with them, go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, the name of this network. You'll get $10 off your first order. Use that promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at builtbar.com. All right, fire away. Next selection. Okay, my next selection I wrote
4: down every player in NBA history named Isaiah Thomas.
3: <laughs> I I actually think that that uh that's not fair to the second Isaiah Thomas because he, offensively I thought that one he only really had one season that was this good, but his 16-17 was like an unbelievable offensive season. Like if you look at the rest of the talent on that team, that was like a top 5 offense.
4: Yeah, and it was and it was all him, no question. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 and yeah. Playing for Brad Stevens helped a lot, you know, certainly. But I, I think people are just because he then had the injury and he never did anything after that year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but people are probably going to just forget about how good he was that year. Um, and yeah, he had a lot of defensive limitations on that too. Like I, I get that, but um, but yeah, he probably certainly uh, at this point <laughs> he's <laughs> right. out of the league, so that that's pretty rough.
4: Yeah, uh, but, but, but I, yeah, I, so,
3: so I think you wanted to go more with the uh, the first Isaiah.
4: The the real one I wanted to talk about was Isaiah Thomas. So, um obviously everyone's watching the Jordan documentary and the the thing that amazes me uh is that everyone talks about him not making the 92 dream team, which I sort of get because the way that team was selected was basically they went by they you know, they had a committee and stuff, but basically it was who who's more famous than whom and that's who they picked, right? So, I could understand a little bit being myth that Isaiah got left off. But his last All-NBA season was in 1987. Like, his prime was in the mid-'80s. And and people get confused with that because the Pistons' best years were obviously the two championship years, which came much later. But by that point... There was a Piston guard who made all NBA in 1989 and 1990, but it wasn't Isaiah. It was Joe Dumars. And like Dumars doesn't get mentioned at all in this documentary, but by the time they were winning, he was the best player on the team. And he was the guy who had more of a case to be on that team than Isaiah did. I don't, I don't think either of them had a case to be on the team ahead of the players who were actually selected, mind you. But I, I, and I, I just think that gets completely backwards that this idea that they needed representation on the 92 team because they won in 89 and 90. And of course it had to be Isaiah. Um, it, it's, it's just a, an odd storyline. They actually kept one spot on that team open too for another NBA player. And then Drexler was so good in the 91 92 season. He finished second in the MVP voting, I think that, that it was beyond any doubt that they would take him at that point. Uh, so I think that whole little warp tale has, has kind of <laughs>
3: shifted. I don't know. I, I, I yeah. Well, I, well. I mean, here's here's where it has to start. Is just there is no statistical argument that he's like some sort of just like inner circle, you know, top thirty player of all time. Like they're just you cannot make that argument statistically. There's just no way. Yeah. So exactly. So you you gotta so you gotta find another reason other than that.
4: Yeah. 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 Um. You know, he he just wasn't even for the era. He just wasn't an efficient offensive player. Um just in terms of his, sc- he scored at a fairly high rate, but not very efficiently. Uh Was a good passer, but maybe not, you know, certainly wasn't like in the class of a couple other guys who were playing at the time. And, like, defensively, he was pretty good. So I think, you know, you give him credit for that. That whole team was really good defensively. But again, like was a small guard who wasn't a dominant offensive player. And I think his position, because he was a champion at Indiana when he came in the league and then was a really good player with the Pistons, and then they ended up winning a championship there, I think his position relative to the other players at the time gets built up a little bit uh more than what it really was
3: yeah and you might make the argument oh man like he they they went with all defensive players and that they had to rely on him to take all the shots and so because they had him that's how they're able to play all these defensive players but he doesn't have that high usage around 25 usage in most of his best years maybe yeah maybe 26 yeah Um, and you know i mean you didn't see as many guys with like usages in the 30s the way you do now uh but and yeah the the true shooting is not particularly there i mean he was i thought he was a good passer but not an unbelievable passer exactly um, so it just all of the hallmarks where there's just this idea of well someone has to get credit right for this championship and generally i think that's a decent heuristic because the best players in the nba usually end up winning championships but his team was an outlier his team basically yeah. invented do- modern nba defense that's why the biggest reason that they were so good
4: yeah yeah teams teams championship teams from detroit do not apply to your heuristic right
3: uh, yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean i and i'm this isn't because there's like some anti-detroit bias i'm giving more credit to joe dumars and dennis rodman and bill Laimbeer, and not only that but their incredible depth i mean they went basically uh you know 10 deep on those teams with good players and yeah. they're they tough they're great rebounding teams it, they did a lot on the offensive glass and so i mean they were solid offensive teams but they really made their hay on the defensive end back then and so yeah i mean isaiah was a a good clutch player he he was the most prominent shot creator on that team to be sure but it's still well it,
4: it, on the first championship team you make an argument for vinnie johnson
3: yeah. Although Vinny's, you know, he's not in there at the end of games most of the time. Every once in a while. I mean, he had that shot that won them the night. He
4: won them the, the game against Portland.
3: Yeah. 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 Game five and they're already up 3-1. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's just, it's really hard other than just, oh man, like when the arguments in favor of him are he was on a championship team that beat the Bulls and the Celtics and the Lakers and you had to see him play. Like that's, uh, okay. So like that, that's one of those arguments where where it's like, oh well, there's no way to refute it. Oh, you just had to yeah. see him play. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, okay. Well, yeah. I could say that about literally anybody, and you wouldn't be able to refute it. And yeah, yeah, he was, and he was also an exciting player, and he was he was prominent, and um, so very good player, clear Hall of Famer, but not anywhere close to an inner circle guy in my mind. I would
4: agree with that. Uh, the one thing I would say in his favor, he would be better in today's game with his with his yeah. ability to handle the ball and his quickness. Like it, it definitely the today's playing style would favor him more than than yeah. that era. And, and
3: he would he would have taken more threes. To. he had a, a, mm-hmm. a pretty jump shot um I think the next group that I will kind of lump together here okay are just flashy ball handling guards so and we don't need to talk about these guys too much but say like Earl Monroe would be okay i definitely
4: uh, add him on my list
3: yes uh pete maravich would yes. be in that category yes not that anyone's talking about this guy's a hall of famer but like jason williams with the yep. with the kings and, and later the grizzlies for a little bit like those kinds of, of players in particular were like oh man this guy is just putting together the highlight package it's awesome but if you really look at, at what they were doing you know they don't have the type of resume of uh, most hall of fame type i mean i get jason williams is a little bit different category here but just the, those guys like yeah these guys are awesome to watch and that's why they uh, got uh, have a, a ton of prominence and they can have prominence for that reason yeah but then i also think that people kind of conflate how awesome they were to watch and even you know their stylistic yeah impact on other players that could be huge too but yeah. if you're talking about how much this person actually helped you win basketball game yeah th- that's where it's like would
4: you put uh rajon rondo in that category
3: well i don't yeah i don't know if it's like the flashy ball handling necessarily mm-hmm. um although i definitely think he is uh uh, a very very overrated player even back when he was good and then yeah. the halo yeah. effect of him having been good lasted for like five years after that so, <laughs> um
4: still going
3: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, but so but yeah, I mean I don't think people are like oh man, he like Rondo is just this ball handling. He's got like that behind the back fake which is pretty pretty sexy, but um yeah, so so I think that's just like a general category, but those those three players really came to mind for me.
4: Sure, sure.
3: Sure. So so no arguments there. Um who who's your uh, your next selection here?
4: Okay, so I will go with the what I would argue is the worst player uh in the in the NBA or in the uh Basketball Hall of Fame uh domestic division. Um so the the, the worst the worst American player in the Hall of Fame. Uh so checks a lot of boxes here, um, played for the Knicks white, and led his cause team to a f- final four. Um, hate to say this because he represented my home state of New Jersey as a senator for many years, but uh Bill Bradley
3: yeah, I mean what did was he like he was the fifth best player on the Knicks. Might, might uh, yeah, actually, he, it, that might be charitable. Actually, those Knicks teams.
4: Yeah, he he made one All Star team in '73, where he was. I mean, he was okay, I guess. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was a he was a starter ish I mean, player on a championship like, team.
3: Give me the stats from his best season.
4: Uh, fifteen point eight points, four point four assists. Forty five point nine shooting, eighty seven point one free throw. He was a good shooter. He could pass, you know, played the wing, you know. It was a it was a good like ensemble cast type of team. Uh, you know, and he fit in there and everything, but he just like like wasn't a great player like doesn't like doesn't really have any business being in the hall of fame right like he had a nice 10-year yeah. career he was a starter for most of it
3: yeah i mean like, it he was pretty, pretty good into the final four i mean if you throw in his college um also critically missed two seasons uh the reference in uh basketball references <laughs> did, not, did
4: play not play Rhodes Scholar yeah. can you imagine that now like somebody who's just like well you know what that sounds great but you know i I really, what I really want to do is uh, go to Oxford and read Tolstoy for the next two years, and then maybe I'll get back to you guys about playing in the NBA. Like that's just so unthinkable.
3: Yeah, are you allowed to uh, to defer those? That's uh, that's the question. Yeah. So I mean, this is just one of the, I mean, to be a one-time All Star, yeah, that's uh, that's a very easy one. Uh, and you're right, he does check all the boxes there. So this is this person is not a player, <laughs> okay, but is in is in the Hall of Fame. Can you explain to <laughs> me what jerry reinsdorf did to deserve to be in the hall of fame other than just be the owner for a team that won six championships like like what did he do exactly
4: was there was there like a contribution to the game or you know an innovation or some kind of impact or something
3: yeah i I really just i mean he hired jerry kraus and jerry kraus did a nice job uh, with the talent scouting after that Uh, although the the process of how he hired kraus
4: is that amazing Oh, he scouting through the White Sox and just asked to be the GM. And so I did it. Like, like what? I'm sorry. Like, I almost fell out of my chair in that scene.
3: Yeah. Uh, basketball is not the big business back then that it is today. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, but I mean, the more hilarious thing is it worked out. It worked That's out. He was most actually most good, most good at part. it. Like, what, what are the odds, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. I, I mean, if you guys haven't read the Jordan rules yet, that, that anecdote is actually not in the Jordan rules, I don't think, uh, specifically, but just some of the like cloak and dagger stuff that Krauss was into is just like hilarious mm-hmm. from that. Um, okay. Let me, let me give you a real one. Okay. Sure. Sure. This is one that you and I may disagree on. Okay. Mitch Richmond, very Ooh. overrated player to me um the biggest uh, i base it on a, a couple of things but the biggest thing is you know never played on even you know i think what did they make the playoffs like two years when he was on the kings that entire time and you know those are like seventh seed eighth seeds and he is a he's a six-time all-star mm-hmm. uh was part of one of the dumbest trades in nba history but oh the yeah uh yeah, 32 years old guard gets traded for Chris Webber um around the time of the lockout. Not not uh the Washington Wizards uh best work there. I can't remember if they were the Wizards bullets. Though.
4: They were the bullets then, and that yeah that was one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history. They were quote unquote trying to fix their chemistry. Um so the li- little dangerous when that's when that's the way you try to fix things.
3: Yeah. So Richmond did have uh, pretty good shooting numbers uh, from three and. and you know, got up as high as six a game but that was also during uh, the time when the the line was a little bit shorter um it never was uh, as many as five a game uh, outside of those three years when the line was shorter mm-hmm. um and but just the the offenses on those kings teams are just very very mediocre i mean you're looking at offenses you know on average you, you probably like low teens high 20s and yeah there's not anybody else uh, on these teams really but you would think if this guy is really that good making all these all-star teams you know kind of a thought of as a no-brainer hall of famer uh that he he they probably would have been better on offense but if you I mean, you remember seeing more of his career than i do um, I mean, I never really, re- you know, watching him, I never was thinking like, oh man, like this guy is just like totally unstoppable here. Like, how do you deal with Mitch Richmond? You know, I never remember having that thought watching him, but do, am I convincing you at all or do you have a, a rebuttal here?
4: The shooting guard position in the Jordan era was actually very weak other than Jordan. Yeah. Um, and it was yeah i mean well
3: drexler was really good you're talking about like drexler reggie miller i think both those guys are clearly better than mitch richmond to me yeah
4: yeah yeah i think i think okay i think that's fair um i'll i'll rebut this with two arguments uh one he was actually part of some good offenses with the run tmc warriors Um yeah now he was the number arguably the number three guy on those teams but it really was just three guys I mean, they had, you go through those teams, like they had, they had those three guys, they had Marshall Onis off the bench, they had nothing else. They're like, their bigs were like, might might as well have been on another planet um and then
3: or or on the bench actually more often they would just not even play (laughs) yeah yeah
4: yeah exactly exactly second of all like you go through those sacramento teams he was on like who's the second best player like who is you know there there wasn't a lot for him to like lift up i mean it was you know it was wayman tisdale and lionel simmons it was you know was it was he with was he with a league average starter at any point in that tenure um so
3: i yeah that that's a reasonable a reasonable point I, I sort of get, I sort of get what you're saying. Um, well, well just, t- tell us what it, what his game was like, uh, watching him. I mean, he kind of just like takes some outside shots, right? He was a good like, he shooter. Really he was,
4: he was strong. Like he, yeah, I mean, he didn't get to the rim a ton. Yeah. Um, he was just, it was odd. Like he was this, I don't know. It was a different game then. Like he was, he was a really physical guard who shot jump shots mostly and it, it worked, but yeah, you, it's tough to get crazy high percentages playing that way. I, I just, I, I struggle with this a little. Like, I mean, you had to work so hard to find any footage of Mitch Richmond doing anything in the nineties. Cause yeah. the king, the king's like, you know, you, you would have had easier time getting, I don't know. Fresno State highlights than Kings highlights in the 90s. Um, and, and so I think he was kind of forgotten because of that. But I also think, to your point, it may have hid some of the weaknesses in his game because people just didn't see him that much. And so yeah, I, mean, I think it was, it was I like, mean, oh, how team, can you, you know, like yeah, I mean, he was like making,
3: overrated for being underrated almost. He makes six straight All Star teams on teams that just weren't that good. I mean, it seems like it was like, all right, well, he's he's got these stats. Let's throw them in there.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah, on
3: some of these. and and, you know again maybe the guard position at the western conference wasn't that amazing at that time he also didn't really do much other than score i think that's another thing that that you can look at yeah um so i mean pr over 20 only twice in his career
4: yeah, but that's a bullshit stat. I mean, who uses that? <laughs> yeah, took Kansas uh, State to the final eight.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I'm not like, oh man, he was terrible or something like that. But I think, but was, you know, to me, well, yeah. Some people it. might think that he was like better than than Reggie Miller or something, I think that's pretty clear that, yeah. that he wasn't, yeah. or like as good as Clyde Drexler, like that. Again, not even close to that level of player. Um, okay, your turn. Well, here, actually, let's right. take a quick break first, and then we'll, uh, then we'll get to that.
1: What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast huge fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports each week join host Lechina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories game day rituals the most heated rivalries and more And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C., that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.
2: David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's, America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
3: Okay, John, your next overrated player that you wanted to submit.
4: Yeah, the worst player in the Basketball Hall of Fame from the post-merger era. Um, He's I mean, technically like he's white and he played for the Celtics, but I I don't think that's why he got in. I have no idea how he got in actually, or what he's doing there. Uh, Dino Raja.
3: Yeah. I was thinking of this the other day of like, how is he in, but Tony Kukoc wouldn't be in.
4: Right, right. There's no logic to it at all. He, he played four seasons in the NBA. He could score and rebound a little, but was absolutely the walking definition of toast at the defensive end. And that, that's why he didn't, uh, stay. Uh, uh, yeah like I I, <laughs> I I just have no idea how or why this this guy ended up in the hall of fame
3: I, I, like, I mean everybody thought that kukoc was better than him that whole time kukoc is coming off like you know one of the most decorated careers in europe when he finally gets to the nba yeah uh and then kukoc, kukoc is like on championship team yeah, yeah really just don't if you're like oh we got to take a croatian for that time no i i agree um, that's almost that. That's almost like too low-hanging fruit. It, I might it, you, you might need to give us another
4: one. <laughs> that's fish, fish fish in a barrel, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like
3: Raja had some like unbelievably decorated career internationally either, right? No, like, no, it was. A, no, he was like I mean, the third best player on those Croatian teams. Yeah, on a, on a team that Kukoc. won the
4: silver medal. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
4: All right. Um, I think we got to talk about Alan Iverson at some point.
3: Yeah, yeah. This is one where he's a, a floor raiser to be sure but unclear how well he could have played with others and shot some really low percentages just granted on some teams that had no other offensive talent like the strategy was we'll let Allen Iverson give us a somewhat competent offense just shooting every time and then we'll have everyone else just play great defense and we'll that'll be the elite side of the ball that
4: that was the scheme that that yes. the Sixers basically employed yeah
3: yeah, yeah. Just- also someone who I wish we had mentioned on the would have been better now group like playing spread pick and roll I mean they he starts off as a point guard and then Larry Brown it's still called the Iverson cut the, the way that they used to get in the ball where he would come across the floor and basically pop out to the wing from the free throw line area off a screen catch the ball and if his man was just slightly behind him then he would rip it through and be able to just attack really quickly from the wing but now he, these days he would just be you know high pick and roll every time and blowing my guys. Yeah, um, yeah yeah also you know very spectacular player which can lead to being overrated a little bit winning the 2001 mvp over shaq was uh, one of the worst decisions in the history of the award
4: yeah yeah uh played in the eastern conference at a time when the eastern conference was total trash which is part of how you know the legend got built up a little bit that season yeah, right he makes, they the, Yeah, he
3: makes the finals they win yeah. 55 games and you know that was the the best team that he ever played on
4: yeah arguably i mean the uh that last denver team he was on was actually pretty good but they were in the west so they just got you know (laughs) they weren't going to beat san antonio
1: so
3: um yeah i mean it was interesting you know if you saw that he his career probably actually got a little bit more of a boost those last couple of denver years because they brought the hand checking in and he actually had some of his most efficient seasons maybe his most efficient seasons in yeah i
4: offensively i thought he was actually better in denver than he was in in philadelphia um or you could at least stats perspective you could at least make the argument yeah because it was he was so much more efficient there, um, but then obviously once he at his size, once he lost a step, then uh, then it kind of went south.
3: Um, one thing I think actually maybe he doesn't get enough credit for historically is he's averaging basically forty two minutes a game in his prime.
4: Yeah, yeah, I mean he that's
3: could, that's pretty pretty insane. I mean, and he had he only really had he had he had two years where he misses like twenty games. He, he never plays the full season. Yeah, uh, he, he, he a missed couple years, but
4: yeah, he missed some time, but played. 82 games, 3,485 minutes in 02 03.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He, he 01 02, he averaged 43.7 minutes a game. Yeah. And took 28 field goal attempts per game, shooting 39% from the field. Jerry Stackhouse also had like a crazy season like that. Uh, yeah. Around them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, 500 true shooting again. True shooting. You know, so he's probably two points below the league average or so there in terms of true shooting. Um, And, and he, didn't shoot the three very well i think his distribution could have been better uh in, in a more modern era with more spacing
4: than yeah it could have been but i mean he i mean he wasn't a good passer i mean in, in any construct
3: yeah. yeah but these days like anybody who's running high pick and roll with normal spacing today who can get to the basket like they're, they're taught to just set guys up and make those basic reads like if you're able to get to the basket well enough out of high pick and roll these days like you just that's just like something you're taught from a young age in a way that you're just not yeah you weren't back then like you, like most players who can attack the basket that well to pick a roll can be pretty effective setting guys up um but no i mean i i agree with you you know I, I think he was probably considered
4: i think he was definitely considered a top five player in the league at a time yeah. when there was no way in hell he was a top five player in the league
3: yeah i mean if you're set, like he's You've got like Shaq, Tim Duncan, KG, Garnett, uh, Aron at that time. Kobe is way better than him. I mean, there's a there's a lot of players who you know he was probably considered on par of at times. And yeah, I, I will agree with you there. I mean, it's probably you know he's probably considered an inner circle Hall of Famer. And then you think of just how different would the conception of his career be if he doesn't make the finals that one year? I mean,
4: just if Philadelphia was in the West at that time. Yeah. You know, and that, I mean, there's no way he wins the MVP for getting them to a five seed, right?
3: Yes. That's, that's probably true. Um, okay. My next one here. Will Chamberlain
4: yeah yeah
3: um we've talked we talked some about him on the greatest seasons ever so i won't go into that too much but basically the idea was he's probably actually underrated as a defensive player but way overrated as an offensive player kind of the same thing as with dantley where when he scores he was very efficient but he wasn't able to set up teammates or then later in his career he was just standing there at the high post setting guys up who are cutting around him but not really forcing the action drawing help and then setting up his teammates so the evidence is limited as to, you know, how much effect, how much he really helped drive great offenses. And I think you, know, you can talk about him as a top 15 player of all time. But I wouldn't really be considering him in the top five.
4: Yeah, I th- I think that's fair, and I think that's the more you know, for some of the stuff we've done, the more I went back and looked at Wilt's career, the more I agree with you on that. Because I mean, the 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 numbers are mind boggling. At first, we're like, "What do you mean he averaged fifty points a game? That's incredible!" But um yeah. he. Played, when you, you have to let so much air out of the numbers from NBA guys in the early sixties, when you account for how ridiculously fast the pace was, and the fact that they basically never came out of the game, or in Wilt's case, literally never came out of the game. Um, and so, once, once you do that, it gets a lot less impressive. And then, I, th- I just think at the end of the day, you know, R- Russell was clearly more impactful, especially when it mattered, and, Wilt's teams, even outside of Russell, kind of they they weren't as good as you might have thought they would have been if he was really like a top 5 all-time player let's put it that way
3: yeah yeah he didn't necessarily scale all that well as a player in addition to that um yeah i think you really you just have to look at what the team impact was the other thing too was that he would get really focused on these st- statistical benchmarks like all right i'm going to lead the league in assists but then okay that means he's not going to shoot at all or he's trying to set the field yeah. goal percentage mark one year so he doesn't shoot in a bunch of games to Deserve that, or he was so proud of not falling out of games. You know, he got to that forty-eight point five minutes a game, famously yeah. in sixty and yep. sixty-two. Yeah, he's so proud of not falling out of games. He stops playing defense when he he stops playing defense or yeah yeah, or he's just like no i'm gonna play the whole game just to play the whole game even though it's a blowout those sort i mean that's hurting the team obviously is his performance for the next game so yeah all that stuff i think really uh guess what when he was trying to go for statistics and manipulate the statistics you probably can't rely on those statistics as being indicative of how much his team was actually helping him win
4: yeah there's definitely a little bit of like Hassan whiteside trying to boost his 2k rating like going on with him like he totally would be doing that if he was if he was playing today
3: all right who's your next one
4: all right so here's what i wrote down every laker since 1980 except magic kareem Shaq, lebron and sam perkins
3: <laughs> smush parker massively overrated.
4: <laughs> smush parker well no
3: well actually i mean i think maybe smush parker has now become underrated because he gets crapped on it's like <laughs> like kobe was doing it with smush parker
4: yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so the players that I particularly wrote down were Jamal Wilkes James Worthy Kobe Bryant Derek Fisher Robert Ory, Kurt Rambis Alex Caruso and Lamar Odom
3: I would actually I might quibble with a few of those I think Lamar Odom actually might be about properly rated I think Ori like his game just like the fact that he spaced the floor and was like versatile defensively yeah he didn't put up great stats but I think it was that that's something that wasn't really appreciated that much about I mean he made all those big shots and so he's probably yeah. that was like a, an unfair boost to how good he was, and he was on all these championship teams. But he also like played well with great players, uh, the way his game worked. And yeah, I mean, he had some times at Phoenix where you know he like you know throws the towel at, at his coach Danny Ainge at one point, and like he's he might have had to, some attitude issues. But I thought he was like a very good quality forward for a long time, who could play well with star players like that. I think, I, I I don't think he's that over. I don't think anyone, I have had people
4: advance Hall, Hall of Fame arguments about Robert. Okay. Story, okay right, that,
3: that's insane but people <laughs> people is you know
4: <laughs> people people who should otherwise know better
3: yeah yeah I mean I actually think like if he uh, and I, I think he when you look at the way he played with Elijah on they get drexler they really go all in on the four out strategy which was new at the time like he enabled them to play that way like I think he was a really really good player mm-hmm. um but I, I think some I agree with you that some aspects of him are overrated but maybe other aspects are underrated okay okay Um, who else? Yeah. Yeah. Wilkes. I looked at him. Um, but I, as I looked into it more, it it looked like he had like a really good defensive reputation and I don't know enough to say whether that was deserved or not, but he made like some all defense teams. Um, but, but like his offensive reputation. Yeah. I think that was like a a little bit overrated.
4: Probably. You ever see him shoot?
3: Oh yeah. Just crazy weird form. Yeah.
4: (laughs) this jacked up behind the head thing that somehow. Somehow he was able to make it work. Um
3: Yeah. I mean I, I don't think that like teams really practiced like closeouts quite as much back then <laughs> as they do now. I mean, it took him like ten hours to get that thing off.
4: Well you you weren't gonna block it though. I mean he was he was Shooting it from the center of his spine, so I don't, I don't yeah. know how you would how you would get how you would get to it.
3: uh AC Green, I totally agree with you on that one. Is just yeah, he played a bunch of games in a row. He's uh ha- had some other reasons for being famous, um, <laughs> and uh was on those like. Well, he yeah. actually started an All Star game when the Lakers fans ballot stuff, like literally yeah. ballot stuff back when you could only vote in arenas for on paper.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun times. Um,
3: must have bought a lot of like Bud Light or whatever. <laughs> whoever like the sponsor was at that time um who else did you say
4: uh, I had uh, Derek Fisher and Kobe Bryant.
3: Yeah, uh, Fisher. I I totally agree with you. I mean, he's just a ton of right place, right time, hit some big shots. I, I think there was a time when he was pretty decent, but also just absolutely zero ball handling ability, and ended up just killing some of like those OKC teams like late in his career, mm-hmm. for yeah. example. Like he he hit uh, even as late as like 2009, like he wasn't really any good, but he just he still hit like a couple of shots. I remember just being like at that time. I'm like, oh man, people are going to still think he's good now after he made like these big
4: Oh shots. no, the Utah series against Golden State, right? Yeah. 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 When he, when he was with the Jazz that year. Yeah. Well,
3: and then in uh, 2009, he hits big shots in game four, which that was actually a closer series than many remember. That 2009, like Courtney Lee misses a yep. shot, uh, like a tip at the buzzer. I think it was yeah. in game two that could have won. Game it. two, he it's missed the alley-oop
4: at the buzzer. Game four goes to overtime. Uh, Orlando botches the don't foul and Fisher hits the three to tie the game. Yeah, yeah,
3: but like, um, but no, I I agree with you, Kobe. I mean, what do you think the common conception of of him is? So this is a
4: difficult there. one. First, first of all, has has the statute of limitations passed? Like, can we can uh, we can, mean, I, we, can we talk we can, about this?
3: I think it's possible to discuss okay. it in, right. in a respectful way. I mean, I mean, yeah. like I, I think he's like ten to. I would rank him in the ten to fifteen range. Yeah, like I'd I'd
4: I'd be comfortable with that. I think there's. So I think there's a subset of NBA world that is probably comfortable with that. And then another subset that will be out there with pitchforks. If, if you have him anything outside the top five and, uh, and like want to compare him with Michael Jordan, which is insane. Um. And I, I think that's where it gets a little crazy. I mean, certainly, just in terms of his fame, like he's probably the second most famous basketball player. He certainly wasn't the second best basketball player, right?
3: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think it depends too. When you're you're talking about like, I don't. I think most people consider LeBron to be more famous than. Um, mm-hmm. But but I I don't know. I mean I, I mean obviously I think I, you could certainly argue that Kobe ha- has a more emotional connection to more people.
4: Oh yeah without a doubt
3: yeah yeah, yeah.
4: and we, again that's one of the be, things like yeah. how we talk about like people gravitate to to guards that way and and to styles
3: yeah and, and I do think that there's he probably is the best difficult shot maker in NBA history I think that's a big reason why players also gravitated to him as well yeah. um yeah. But if you compare him to Jordan, I think like Jordan, one of the biggest differences that I had is that Jordan could make those difficult shots almost as well as Kobe, but he got better shots much more easily, uh, than Kobe did and, and could get open more easily, even, even when you're talking about late in his career. But no, I mean, I think like 10 to 15 all time, like I, I, I think that most people would have Kobe in, in that range, personally. Um, okay. like, I don't think it's, uh, and then, like, there are some people who are just like, you know, they're Kobe stands and that's the way they feel, but that's, I think that's a minority people. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, for those who th- would have him top five, I mean, I think there's an argument for like the lower end of the top 10. Um, but no, I mean, I'd say like Tim Duncan to me, KG, I thought those guys are better than him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kobe's also a little overrated defensively. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Especially towards the end when he's making what like you made like 12 straight all defense teams or something which like was, that.
4: Which was which was complete yeah. That was completely absurd.
3: Yeah. Um okay. Uh my next one here, Jason Kidd
4: oh really
3: great longevity uh-huh great defensively yeah for sure I, I mean i i remember even in the early days when you were you wrote about how kid was getting like mvp consideration even even shaq was like oh yeah he definitely he was the real mvp he should have been the mvp in O two 2 uh yeah. instead of instead of tim duncan i mean anyone who was saying that was just ridiculous and that was all part of the narrative right he gets yeah. traded yep. from phoenix for marbury they actually don't really get any better on on offense they get way better on on defense and he was yeah. fantastic defense i mean even good in the as late as the 2011 finals he's his defense is huge in that series and he, he was good pushing the fast break later in his career he got to be an acceptable spot of three-point shooter he took a ton of them yep, uh, yep. but uh, if you look at the offenses on his teams, though, I mean, they're just not that good. And you, you think about it, it's like, all right, what is he doing in the half court that's awesome? He's not shooting a good percentage. He wasn't really like, he didn't have a much of a mid-range game. He could post up a little bit. Like there are times, like, like I remember in the series that they played the first round mm-hmm. in 2002, a, a all-time classic game that's forgotten. Now game five, they almost lose in the first round to the eighth seeded Pacers.
4: Oh, yeah, an amazing, an amazing game.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Reggie Miller hits a three pointer off the backboard from about 40 feet on like a turnaround three. That was was really late.
4: Probably after the buzzer. Yes.
3: Yeah. (laughs) But they're just like going to kid Mm -hmm. trying to just like post up to get late game offense. And it's just like an absolute struggle. Like it wasn't his, he's trying to shoot like turnaround jumpers. Like he just didn't really have that in his game. Yeah.
4: Was not, was not a particularly good half court offensive player. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 And so people remember, oh man, and he's like, oh, he should have won MVP in 0-2. And yeah, the Nets team wins 49 games, and they do it on the strength of their defense. They're just the one seed. They barely make it out of the first round, and uh, you know they get completely waxed after they get to the. Uh, you mentioned that they beat the team that you considered the worst conference finals team in like the last like 25 years. I can't remember exactly what you said. In, yeah, in
4: the yeah, the, the Antoine Walker led Celtics.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. But Paul. Pierce. They had Paul Pierce. I know.
3: I know. But uh, and, and they shot a lot of. three-fifers which was ahead of their time yeah under jim o'brien but yeah so I, I just he was not i don't know that he was really like that positive of, of an offensive player especially out of transition it's actually in some ways kind of similar to like a ben simmons today mm-hmm. uh, I, I would say is somewhat similar games. there. I mean, Simmons, obviously a better finisher kid, a better shooter, but yeah, you know, he, he was a reluctant shooter until like the last third or so of his career. I mean, he's playing on a team with Vince Carter and Richard Jefferson and they're kind of, you know, we're winning high forties, maybe low fifties. Uh, and, and so, I mean, if you're really talking about him as again, you know, I think he was a guy who was a lot of times a top 15 player in the NBA.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: He was so,
4: yeah, I mean, he was. He was good in Phoenix. He got to New Jersey was 28. The, the weird thing, the year after he almost won the MVP was by far his best season. And he got the Nets back to the finals that year. They took, they had, they basically had a worse team, right? Because Todd McCullough had to retire to the foot for the foot problems. They trade for Dikembe Mutombo, who, who is pretty close to the finish line by then. Um, so the supporting cast is not as good. Kid plays way better. They, I don't know if they ended up winning more games, but their point differential was like way better. They were much more, they were much more difficult to deal with in the playoffs. Um, I, I want to say did they sweep Detroit that year?
3: Um No, that was it wasn't that the year that uh what was the year that Chauncey Billups hits like the half court shot in game 5? Was that 2003 or 2004?
4: I think that was a year later. I think that was I think uh, that was 04. Yeah. Um so and uh that like it was so bizarre because he didn't get like a peep in uh, in the uh in the MVP voting that year, and he was way better. Yeah, the Nets were, were number one in defense that year, 56 expected wins. Uh, I thought, I thought that was kids masterpiece by far. But again, like he was in the, playing in the JV division, they, they actually swept both the second round and the conference finals, uh, against, boston and detroit and detroit wasn't That's really right. detroit yet yeah yeah um, so
3: it was it was 4 when they actually gave that detroit team their best run uh of that that playoff run although the 4 pacers were also a great team and jermaine o'neal was kind of broken down by the end like that
4: and, and jamal tinsley yeah
3: yeah um god it's all uh, those uh, horrible days of basketball. the memory
4: the I memories remember. memories of these great eastern conference playoff series If you were, yes
3: <laughs> um yeah that uh that finals between the uh pacers and the pistons in 2004 the, with the the tayshawn prince block on reggie miller i think it was yeah. the end of game two but that was uh basically got to be like the lowest scoring playoff series since the merger right if not certainly the lowest scoring high profile
4: oh my goodness with, yeah with
3: Maybe, maybe Pistons Pistons Spurs in 05 being the only one that's
1: close.
4: Oh, I think yeah, I mean that one was low scoring, but I think even that was like a, a seven seconds or less affair compared to the Pistons and Pacers. I mean, that was I just remember every game being seventy-three sixty-seven.
3: Uh okay, how, how many more do you have here? I know we're running a little short on time now.
4: Uh so I'm uh I probably got most of my biggest ones out. Um I, I got a couple other guys. Yeah, you
3: want to let's do let's do like a quick uh, quick lightning rom.
4: Sure. Um uh DeMar. Art
3: yeah okay, we've talked about him enough. I think we know. Yeah. <laughs> I think people know it at, at this point. Yeah. yeah, another one of those East ones um, as well. Uh, Joe Johnson gotta, has got to be on there for sure. I really mean, was? Yeah, yeah. Seven time All Star, Joe Johnson.
4: Okay, he made. Okay, he made seven All Star teams. Okay, but like nobody knew who he was. Like if if you had asked anyone to name the top twenty players in the league, nobody was going to say Joe Johnson.
3: That's true, and yet he made. <laughs> he probably wouldn't have been in the top 30 players in the league but he still made seven all-star teams i mean like like he's gonna come up for the hall of fame and i mean basically anyone who's made seven all-star team in. and i don't believe he deserves to be in so that's that's where i'm saying he's overrated
4: okay okay i
3: I mean that's one of those ones where his hall of fame is like oh man we're we are watching a hall of famer right now joe johnson (laughs) nobody would have said that at the time but yet you might have people who go back on like whatever the hall of fame's version of the veterans committee is and be like oh seven time all-star joe johnson yeah throw him in yeah Um, that's
4: really interesting i mean i probably saw more of joe johnson's career than any significant media person so i i should probably weigh in on this more um because i mean those are some bad teams but it was it was he was he was a he was a floor raiser right i mean that's that's what he was at the end of the day because yeah
3: yeah. those teams like made a bunch of playoffs towards the end of his time in, in atlanta but um
4: yeah, they actually, and in the play, he was able to, like his game was able to carry over to the playoffs because it was so, like he, in the playoffs, a lot of times things just break down to iso ball anyway. So it almost wasn't any different for him, but it was just, just very hard to play really efficient basketball that way. He would, he would have individual games where he did it. I mean, he had one, he had a game in the Chicago series. We, you know, the year they won 60, whatever games with Derrick Rose, that was brilliant. They beat Chicago on the road and Johnson was brilliant. He was really good. Good. That first year they made the playoffs, where they took the Celt- champion Celtics to seven games in the first round. Yeah,
3: maybe the most lopsided seven game series. <laughs>
4: games, right? All four Boston wins were like by 40 points, and the Hawks yeah. wins were like by 2 1 and 4 or something.
3: <laughs>
4: yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh, okay, I got another one for you. Okay. Bernard King.
4: Yeah bernard king
3: so kind of the same deal as adrian dantley i mean a little bit different but so here's some of his stats his best year is probably 84 85 or or 83 84 that's when he has the famous christmas day game yeah 13th on offense but number one on defense this year and and that's actually i think he also had that big series against the pistons uh in the playoffs that they had like that crazy game five Mm -hmm. where isaiah scores like 10 points in the last two minutes to yeah to get him into overtime but i think they end up The Knicks end up winning. And then they actually, they actually did take the Celtics to seven games, the eventual champion Celtics to seven games, but they actually had the number one defense that year. They're 13th on offense, relying on him a ton. But you just look at something he says, 26 points a game, 57% from the field, but 2.1 assists per game. And that, that's like, he's just not creating at all for his, and that's, you know, that's what forwards back then were asked to do.
4: Yeah. And it was like, like it was was a lot like Dantley. Yeah. Like a, a one on one technician. Um, probably, uh, didn't shoot as much from the perimeters. Danley operated more around the basket, had a way yeah. of shooting on the way down. That was really hard for defenders to time and block. Yeah. Uh, even though he wasn't huge, wasn't an amazing athlete. Uh, first guy to come back from a torn ACL and make the all-star team, although it was a pretty dubious all-star selection. Um, yeah.
3: He was, he put up like 28 points a game on the 90, 91 bullets. And, and you know, that was, was kind of it for his career. Yeah. Point. yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, so in, in his game, I'm not, I would, say dantley he was a much better player to me than dantley when he was good um he also really only had like a three-year peak he had one one real good year in golden state and then three in new york and and then that was about it but and his game he wasn't like holding the ball quite as much you know he would sort of get across screen across the lane catch it take a dribble and then like try to rise up over his defender like it was faster
4: it was it was a meeting halfway between uh adrian dantley and anton jameson was what it was
3: yeah yeah but, I, and again, you know, he had these dominating scoring performances. Now, but, he had, yeah. he was
4: having the year, uh, when he tore his ACL with the Knicks. Yeah. He was, he was having you know, the career year, the thing that was, you know, making the leap, whatever you want to call it. um, So good that he made first, I think he made first team all NBA that year, despite only playing 55 games.
3: Yeah. So may, maybe I, I, you wouldn't be at the top of my list, but people talk about him as just being like this, this unbelievable player. And I would, I would caution on that a, a little bit because the, the offenses that he played on, you know, he never played an elite offense, didn't play with elite talent either, but the, like, the overall offense is below average. I mean, it's, that's, and again, it's the lack of playmaking you know lots of scoring less playmaking certainly a valuable player i think one of of the
4: things we've learned in the analytics era is that playmaking really impacts your team's overall offense a lot more than individual scoring was And you maybe wouldn't think that would be the case yeah uh, but uh, the numbers really bear that out
3: uh any more any more quick hitters from you before we pick our, our top three each
4: uh, so I had a couple of probably predictable guys, uh, Steve Francis, Ray Rondo. Uh, we haven't talked about Carmelo.
3: Yeah. That's another one where I mean, clearly a Hall of Famer to me. And he kind of gets lumped together with LeBron and Wade because they're, and Bosch, they're all drafted in that, that top five in 2003. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, I would say, you know, Wade is clearly a much better player. I would even say Bosh was a better player than him when you throw in his defense and ability to stretch the floor. I would agree with that. But
4: Bosh, I mean, and he proved it, was more easily slotted in with, with other elite talent. Uh, than Carmelo um I and I didn't really go go big on Carmelo because I think in a way he's probably sort of properly rated like I think he's really famous but I think a lot of people know he's overrated in 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 this era in, in a way that maybe didn't happen in previous eras
3: well the other thing I would say too is I don't think he was really even being overrated at the time in any individual year and he played on some really good offenses in Denver that 13 uh that 12-13 team when it was just him and a bunch of shooters that was like a top five offense in the NBA that that Knicks team um so I mean I think most people were talking about him as kind of you know the 10 15 20 range in a given season in the league you know and he's not making that many all NBA teams at the time but I think that it's more people going back like oh man this guy is just an all-time great he's got all these scoring numbers I actually think that some people now are overrating where he was 10 years ago whereas the people 10 years ago maybe had it right
4: okay okay uh Um,
3: and and that's just that's just one segment obviously there's the other segment as you talked about but and i think there's even a and i agree with you i mean overall i had him on my list too as just another guy who scores a lot and that's his most salient skill so he's more likely to be overrated yeah but i I do think some people go so far as to be like oh my god like he's he was always this bad as he was at the end of his career when we could really drill on in on his defense with the analytics and like that he wasn't always that terrible um You know, so I think some people go a little bit too far in the other direction.
4: Yeah, I can see that. The other reason I always hold back a little on Carmelo is because he was so freaking good in international games.
3: Yeah. um, Okay, I got like two more for you Okay, sure, sure. And one I want to discuss. Jerry Lucas... <laughs> um, I, you
4: know, I see i never saw him play so i couldn't really go there um it, you know he was a he was a very heralded college player um yeah. his his nba career was probably
3: yeah uh, not worthy of of you know being a, a like clear hall of famer in the end but it's just based on his nba career Mike.
4: yeah yeah exactly
3: he, he was he was an early stretch big he got a lot of rebounds And he scored a lot, but was just terrible Mm defensively. And I think if you look at the numbers for some of the teams that he was on, those, uh, those Cincinnati teams and, you know, couldn't really play center, was pretty slow at forward. Um, you know, didn't really do much other than just shoot two point jumpers when that wasn't really that great. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, That's one for me. Uh, another one that I've got is DeAndre Jordan. I don't think he's going to make a Hall of Fame, but some of those All NBA nods that he had were uh, a little the, speculative. Uh, o- very overrated defensively.
4: Very overrated defensively. Might in, in his prime, I think he was underrated offensively, but yeah, definitely, definitely, he got to a point where he was ridiculously overrated defensively. Like, um, all, like it was almost absurd. Anyone else you got?
3: Let me go through my list. i sure
4: pretty much exhausted that. my list. Here.
3: Let me ask you a question about someone. Okay. I not quite want to go there yet on this guy. Dave Cowan. <sighs> Celtics. Yeah. White. Yeah. Center. Yeah. Which was was like the glamour position at the time. Yeah, it definitely was. They had pretty deep teams. I mean, they, they make their seventy three win team or I'm sorry, uh nineteen seventy three, they're a sixty eight win team. They lose. Uh, but probably probably would have lost to the Knicks anyway. The havlicek injury happens when they're already down in the series mm-hmm. uh in seventy three, even though they had won sixty eight during the season. Seventy four and seventy they win championships and, and he's on it he, he his career kind of peters out pretty quickly good watching some of some of the old games with him you know he was like a little bit more of a stretch the efficiency was very low i mean career true shooting under 50 percent as a center and you know he kind of hustled like so their defenses were pretty good that that he was on but as i watched him i wasn't like you know and he was all oh, he hustles he's uh it, you know be, became this darling in boston because of that but i was like man like what what is this guy doing exactly that's so awesome like i just wasn't seeing it and maybe it just happened to be the games i watched like i think he falls out of like the famous triple overtime game right against the suns in 1976 so mm-hmm. you don't get to see you know that's probably the most commonly seen game of those teams but yeah. like like what did he actually do out there on the floor <laughs> than just like oh you know oh you had to see him play he's like the heart and soul of the team like that guy i mean those are like the first things you hear about him yeah and i'm always skeptical when that's the first thing you hear about a guy
4: i see- Certainly, I mean that MVP in '73 is pretty dubious,
3: right? It was, it was. Yeah, uh, Albaček is the best player on that team. Yeah,
4: and it was just they gave it to they. Boston had the best record, and so they wanted to give it to somebody on the Celtics. And for whatever reason, like Collins was probably like. You know, people get tired of voting for the same guys and stuff. It's always kind of the new guy. You know, Cowens was still like the new guy then. So I think that's what made him a more kind of sexy MVP candidate. He was an undersized five. So I think the narrative around him got built because of that.
3: Yeah. And he makes also worst era for the league. Probably they had just had expansion and a bunch of good players are in the ABA during that period.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, uh,
4: JoJo White was on that team, too, who was probably also one of the more uh, maybe iffier uh, Hall of Fame guys.
3: Also, 766 career games.
4: Yeah, yeah. He um, he retired and, like, I don't know, it was weird. He was, like, driving a cab in Boston, I want to say. I'm trying to remember the yeah. story on this. It's a weird he, story. Uh, actually, like his, yeah, go ahead. His flame, his flame went out, though, for a while.
3: Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I mean, there's not much in the statistical record to really support it. I mean, his two-point field goal percentage is all anybody's taking back then, obviously. You know, career two-point percentage, 46%. So, I mean, he's taking some jumpers and stuff, but, it, like, is that really yeah, that that amazing? And he is a good passer. He's averaging, like, four or five assists a game in some of these years. Gets a, only uh, exceeded 20 points twice in his career. So, I mean, I think really the only argument that you would have is that he was just that good defensively and i'm not i don't think they have some good defenses you imagine he's a part of that so maybe that's where the value comes in that i'm just not able to capture
4: yeah even that i mean he you don't really see that in the record either yeah i don't know i i yeah i think i think i'm with you on this one i i had actually i had actually forgotten about him
3: yeah. I mean, I think there's a thought like, Oh man, he was like made all these all-star teams and they win two championships. They have a 68 win season. He wins MVP. There's a thought maybe that he's like one of the best players in the 1970s. If you just look at some of the accolades that he was getting, and I don't know that I could go that far based on what I know right now, but feel yeah. feel free to correct me. Those of y'all who saw more of him, but it's it, it that, uh, there are a few things about him that got my spidey sense, my overrated spidey
4: sense
3: <laughs> uh okay should we uh pick our top three here
4: uh yeah yeah let's do it
3: all right I'm, I'm gonna start with isaiah thomas as the most overrated player in nba history
4: okay okay i think he has a pretty good case
3: uh, he'll be glad to hear that
4: you're, you're talking about pistons and not uh yeah not yeah king's son celtics wizards right
3: yeah okay yeah yeah don't, don't forget Cavs and lakers too if, if you really <laughs> want <to pick> <laughs>
4: How could I? Yeah, I mean certainly I mean this uh who are who are your other it's, candidates? It's weird how this Jordan doc has, has brought it uh has brought it back to light yeah uh, but
3: but everyone anyone i mean you know there's always teams that have like stands in the media and so the oh my god you had to have seen isaiah play you're insane I, also i i think there's an element because he's always compared to stockton and who stockton i think might actually be a little bit overrated myself um but there's a, like stockton is really by just the tradi- the more traditional analytics analytics is old enough we can say that now mm-hmm. just you know looking at like some of the the box score metrics and his efficiency and stuff like that whereas like stockton is kind of like the analytic starling and i think there's like an element that's fighting back against that against that like the the people who dismiss analytics mm-hmm. those are the people fighting the hardest yeah. for isaiah and saying you have to see him play and i was like hey guys maybe neither of them were that good actually but uh yeah uh, so yeah but i think if you really go back and look at it at the time especially like that's the the argument that i always make to those people is like you know yeah okay you start in the all-star game every year but who else is in the East that's even any good? And, you know, like you said, his last NBA team is like, what, 86, 87? All NBA team is 86, 87.
4: and Stockton was making first team every single year at that time, and it wasn't because Utah was all over national TV. Um, Yeah. So, you know, the case is pretty strong, I think that certainly that Stockton was the better player at the time. Now, Stockton, I think, also gets a a lot of bonus points for his insane longevity, um, which which is a different argument, right? How much do you value longevity? Versus versus peak dominance. Um, so yeah, I think Isaiah is a good one. Would I would I rate him number one?
3: Um, who are your other candidates? Let's uh, let's uh, be. I would
4: say Allen Iverson, Bill Bradley, um, the Lakers as a collective whole. Although I'm not sure I can come up with one individual Laker who is quite on this uh, quite on this level. I think Earl Monroe's got a case to be in here too.
3: Yeah. I I mean, although here's what I'll say about Monroe and I I mean, I think to really be the most overrated, you have to have people talking about you as, you know, potentially a top five player ever at your position. Like, like is Monroe really even appearing in many of these debates anymore? No, 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 Um, no. It's it's, it's
4: just when people get teary eyed talking about Knicks teams from the seventies.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, well, so so I'll give you my number two. My number two is Will. Okay. Okay. Um, very good player, but yeah, not if he is top ten, it's like very low in the top ten. Me, whereas I think there's some who before Jordan might have even argued that he was the greatest of all time.
4: Yeah, yeah, that was becoming a more common argument, and I think actually. I think actually the analytics era inadvertently kind of swung that argument that way when people started looking more at his number, Wilt's numbers and less at the results of what was happening at the time. And now I think, uh, now I think that we've gotten more video involved, more team level analytics. We understand that the perception at the time was probably more correct than we realized in terms of the Russell Chamberlain
3: yeah. debate, so to speak. M- maybe Bill Russell should have been on our, on our underrated list.
4: You know, the more I think about it, there was a... It's weird because there was a long time where he was considered the greatest player ever, right? And yeah. then it, the pendulum swung way the other way and now it's swinging back. So it's, uh, we're shooting at a moving target a little bit
1: with him.
3: Yeah. But especially because I think just one player defensively could have so much more of an impact just at that point in the NBA. Yeah. He's really looking at, at at his impact. Um, and then number third, I'd probably, I'd probably go Adrian Dantley.
4: Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really think anyone talks about him. I, I had Allen Iverson.
3: Yeah, as, as number one? or uh.
4: Like, I, I had him as, I, you know, I wasn't really thinking about Wilt when you brought him up, but he's got a pretty good case. I would put Iverson two or three. Isaiah's got a pretty good case at number one. I mean, Ant- Antoine Walker would be my other guy. He's sort of my stereotypical overrated guy. I just don't know if he's like a significant enough player for me to put him at number one
3: yeah I, I would agree and i also think that there are plenty of people who realize that he's not that good i think he's mm-hmm. become almost more of a joke at this point whereas I, like part of the reason i say it for isaiah is i still hear people standing yeah. for him way more than just about anyone else like i think he, isaiah is the person that i feel i have i most often see myself disagreeing with people and especially like some commentators that i relatively have a lot of yeah. respect for overall yeah.
4: yeah i i'd say on that point you were uh, you're accurate I, I, so in his era, I think Antoine Walker was more overrated at the time he was at his peak or, or Alan Iverson. Um, but historically now, I think people get that with those guys, uh, more than they get it with, with Isaiah Thomas, maybe.
3: Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So, so Isaiah, uh, so to so recap for me, Isaiah, number one, Wilt Chamberlain, number two, and then Dantley, number three, I think he, he might be the most overrated player in terms of like his own individual statistics ever mm-hmm. in, in history. And maybe the fact that he, he's not in the hall of fame, right? So, um, the fact that he isn't in there is, uh.
4: Well, I still got to go. Then I got to take Bill Bradley, who is in there.
3: <laughs> well, you have to consider uh, his contribution to his, the, uh, his, the do, his legis-
4: do his legislative accomplishments count?
3: Uh, no, he, he had some unbelievable years uh, in the Oxford uh, <laughs> Basketball League. He's a Rhodes Scholar. To, to, they may not have had that actually maybe they just made it just for him and uh and i don't think basketball is huge in the uh the, the mid-60s it, in yeah. england
4: K- killer cricket bowler though i hear
3: <laughs> actually i think like netball uh i've actually never seen netball i remember i went to england. netball is what no it's in australia new zealand oh
4: if you ever go there you got to watch net- it's wild man it's like it's it's crazy you can like because you're not allowed to contest a shot once once they start their shooting motion it's 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 crazy it's like what is what is happening like i I couldn't turn it off because i was just so amazed by what by what i was seeing
3: yeah there's all they don't have a backboard either right yeah exactly yeah. exactly it's just like sitting out there on a pole like hanging in space i mean i remember i was like so desperate to play basketball when i i was in england in as a 13 year old 1993 uh-huh. and i saw it i was like like what the hell is this thing and like someone tried to explain the rules to me but i i I didn't really understand at the time (laughs) yeah i'm gonna youtube that after we go okay so so let's recap again your top three
4: i think he convinced me on isaiah uh i'm gonna go isaiah then wilt then alan iverson
3: yeah iverson, iverson is a good one. i may be saying that dan be uh giving dantley a little too much uh too much uh, like r- my assessment of how he is rated mm-hmm. is probably uh, i could feel it, but I, that maybe i'm thinking that he's rated too highly to say that he is overrated but um just looking at the stats i think that's why i, I, I want him out there on principle because i, th- I think he establishes an important principle okay uh, just looking at, at like a player's individual stat um all right we are we are done here what'd you write about for the athlete? athletic this week.
4: Oh, I got a good one coming. Uh, I got my top 23 players for the NBA draft coming uh, in the early part of this week. So keep your eyes oh, out nice. for that. Yeah, 7,000 7, words. So uh, hope hope you got some time.
3: So we're going to have to say this for next time, but I will tease it now. There are two things that you wrote about last week that I disagree with you on that I, th- I want to discuss next week. One of them is you had Christian Wood as the most improved player. Okay. And I think we're actually going to, we'll try, we're going to, do just a general awards disagreement next week um and then the other thing you said was that you thought uh and forgive me if i'm paraphrasing this wrong just doing this from memory that miles turner made more sense for indiana to trade than Demontis Sabonis if one of them has to go
4: oh man you're 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 just gonna you're just gonna go down this road again aren't you
3: well, you and I've never really discussed. I, I, you, you are the least disagree, popular right?
4: podcaster in all of Lithuania. Do you realize that?
3: <laughs> Li- Lithuania and Indiana. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and we just uh, Isaiah Thomas, pride of Indiana University. Uh, <laughs> we crapped on him all day today, too.
4: <laughs> and a former Pacers coach.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he was overrated as a Pacers coach. So. <laughs> fair fair that's, i mean how how crazy is it that the pacers went from larry bird to isaiah thomas as their coach
2: yeah that's, yeah
3: that's uh that's a forgotten time yeah and then uh rick carlisle became the pacers coach and they immediately got a lot better funny but, how that and happened. uh when they gave up larry bird and went to isaiah thomas they immediately got a lot worse interesting the way that happened uh all right that's uh that's enough for today <laughs> this is uh this has been fun and uh we'll talk to y'all next week Till then.